Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It's great to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, we take a look at what's been happening in the wheat market. We saw quite a run-up in wheat prices last week following USDA's grain stocks report. It was a very bullish report for the wheat market, and we tacked on about 40 cents on both hard and soft wheat last week. So we'll take a look at that story to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host, along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Coming up this week, there are two AgriLife field days for those interested in hemp. But if you go to one of those events, don't expect to find a way to get rich overnight. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. October is here, which also means the beginning of flu season. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have details on what you can do to protect yourself from this contagious disease on Texas Ag Today. Planting winter pastures this fall could reduce and likely eliminate the need for cattle producers to purchase expensive supplements this winter. We will discuss winter pasture options for Central and East Texas. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. The wheat market got a big boost last week from the USDA Grain Stocks Report, showing stocks of both hard and soft red winter wheat and spring wheat much lower than the trade was expecting. Joe Vaklovic with Standard Grain looks at the numbers. The HRW wheat crop came in at 749 million bushels, down sharply from August, 31 million bushels below the average trade guess. SRW wheat production just marginally below what the trade had expected and marginally below August. And the spring wheat number was down another 12 million bushels versus last month and pretty close to trade expectations there. So in spring wheat, I think the smaller crop is a big culprit there. USDA Chief Economist Seth Meyer says drought in the northern plains is a big reason for the decline in stocks. I think you see continued evidence of what are really harsh drought conditions in those regions. I think you see that pervasive in terms of adjustments made in winter wheat, spring wheats, and small grains, barley, oats. The wheat markets have rallied over 40 cents since the new stock numbers were released. There's a big spread in cropland lease rates here in Texas. Farmers along the coastal bend of Texas are paying some of the highest rates to lease dry land farmland in the state. According to the U.S. Department of Agriculture, the average lease rate along the Texas coast is $59.90 per acre per year, with farmers in San Patricio County paying the highest rate in the state at $78.50 per acre per year. The lowest dry land lease rate in the state can be found in Sutton County at $5.60 an acre. 
While farmers in San Patricio County paid the most to lease dry land acreage, they are also reportedly paying the least to rent irrigated cropland, coming in at around $38.50 an acre. Farmers in West Texas and in the Panhandle are paying the highest for irrigated farmland. Sherman County lease rates average $153 per acre per year. That's the highest in the state. The statewide average to lease irrigated cropland is $89.12 an acre. Dryland lease rates average $24.85. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. Grasshoppers have been a big problem in some north-central Texas pastures this year. Michael White of Vernon says the grasshoppers have been swarming in Wilbarger County. We were overrun with grasshoppers for about the third year in a row now. I can't give you a good explanation why, but boy, they're just, they just eat us out of house and home on a lot of our native grasses and then our improved grasses also. Uh, not so much in some of the crops, uh, growing crops like alfalfa or uh, cotton, but they just, for some reason or another, really moved into the grass areas of our northern, northern part of the county. White says armyworms are usually a problem also, but he hasn't seen any issues with them yet this year. Since the legalization of growing hemp in Texas, we haven't exactly seen huge profits in the crop. But James Hunt says there are a couple of field days coming up that could help if you're interested in growing it. Texas A&M AgriLife is offering hemp field days in the Chillicothe and Muleshoe areas this week. But if you're going to one of those events with dreams of growing hemp for CBD purposes, maybe keep your ambitions in check. Calvin Trossel is the state hemp specialist for AgriLife. If you have questions about hemp, then Texas A&M AgriLife, we certainly have a growing body of knowledge and experience and, and information for would-be growers. But it's probably my opportunity here to say that anyone who has not already started working in the, the arena of hemp for CBD, that door is really pretty closed, I think, for most would-be growers. Essentially, due to an oversupply, the CBD market has crashed. So any notions about $40,000 per acre returns are just not realistic anymore. And although it has been thought that growing hemp for fiber might prove to be a more viable way to go, Dr. Trossel says that's not coming along very fast either. Perhaps some wariness out there about moving forward with things like hemp fiber processing plants. There's a lot of investment involved to get hemp fiber. So chicken and eggs here, which comes first, the market demand for hemp fibrous materials or the supply. And I think they're going to have to dovetail with each other fairly closely. No, hemp is not a get-rich-quick opportunity. But for farmers who can find the right marketing opportunities and are willing to limit their expectations, hemp may still be an option. So once again, the upcoming AgriLife Hemp Field Days are Thursday near Chillicothe and Friday near Muleshoe. Both events have 9 a.m. start times. For more information, contact your local Extension office. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Flu season is here for both rural and urban Texas. Flu is a contagious disease that spreads around the United States every year, usually between October and May. To talk more about uh, the flu season is uh, Waco physician Dr. James Sharp. And uh, Dr., uh, why should people be getting an influenza flu shot this time of year? Well, because they don't want to experience the flu infection. Most of us probably have had at least one time in our life when we've gotten the 
influenza. It's you know, high fever, body aches, fatigue, exhaustion, coughing. It's a pretty uncomfortable three to five days for many of us. But for some people, those who say have heart disease or diabetes, lung disease like asthma or COPD, they're at particular risk for a much worse time with the influenza. The elderly, little children, there's a risk that they may develop uh, pneumonia. You know, we, we deal with influenza every year. It kind of becomes a background infection that we don't think too much about. But the fact is, thousands of people usually do die. The average is around 32,000 each year are going to die from the flu. And so if we can prevent that with hygiene and hand washing and staying home when you're sick, that's good. But you can also prevent it by getting the influenza vaccine. If you live in a family that has someone there with asthma or heart disease, then you're doing them a favor by getting the influenza shot for yourself and for them because it it decreases the risks of it being spread around through the household. Now, the Centers for Disease Control recommends everyone six months and older get vaccinated every flu season. That's right. That is Waco physician, Dr. James Sharp. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and this is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Planting winter forages this fall can reduce or eliminate the need for cattle producers to purchase expensive supplements this winter. Dr. Vanessa Olson discusses some winter pasture options for Central and East Texas. Now is a good time for producers to plan for winter pastures. Most fall, winter, and spring forages perform best when planted in late September through early October. Producers should be choosing forages, binding and pricing, purchasing or reserving seed, and planning when and where to plant. Waiting until the last minute can be problematic. If you wait, you might not be able to find seed and then may be forced to plant late, which impacts production. Producers have many options for fall and winter forages, the matching species to specific soil types average rainfall, and temperatures are paramount. The timing for forage availability is also an important consideration for producers. Small grains such as oats, small grain rye, and wheat perform best in specific regions that provide preferred soil makeup, temperatures, and moisture levels. Most of their forage production is in the fall and early winter. Small grain rye is adapted to a wide variety of soil types and more productive than the other small grains. Oats are the least cold tolerant and should be planted in central and southern portions of the state, south of Interstate 20. Wheat is better adapted to colder temperatures and performs well north of I-20. Ryegrass, which produces majority of its forage in the spring, can be planted later than other forages, but delays can mean decreased yields and impact availability for grazing. The rainfall needs of ryegrass limits production to portions of the state east of I-35. Cool season legumes also produce forage in the spring that can be site specific. I recommend visiting with your local county extension agent for a recommendation on legumes for your area. Legumes are also sensitive to soil pH, most preferring a pH of six or higher. The decision whether to plant winter forages or not mostly comes down to seed availability and prices and when they will need the forage. Producers have a lot of options. But in general, it's better to have a plan and to be prepared so that forages are available for grazing when needed. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson reporting from East Texas with Texas Ag Today. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is petitioning to have a freshwater fish found in Texas removed from the Endangered Species Act. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll explain why coming up on Texas Ag Today. 
And endurance riding is the second most popular equine discipline, but it can come with some problems. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. When we moved to Texas, we were like fish out of water. We didn't know anyone in our neighborhood until our Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent came to the house. She was so helpful and reassuring, a friendly face with that Texan hospitality I'd heard about. When we purchased a Texas Farm Bureau insurance policy, we knew we were making the right choice. We knew our family would be protected. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an insurance agent who's a true neighbor. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Endurance riding is the second most popular equine discipline behind show jumping. But veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd says lameness is common in these endurance horses. Training for endurance competition involves training over long distances and orthopedic injuries are likely to develop, which is the major reason for elimination from competition. One study revealed that up to 80% of the endurance horses develop some orthopedic injury over a six-month period, and that endurance horses are subjected to a high level of stress during training and competition. Also, almost 50% of the horses develop lameness in more than one limb, indicating stress is involved, although this could also be due to the horse protecting one injured area and causing injury to another area. The fetlock area of the forelimb was the most commonly injured area followed by the area just below the front knee, the foot, and the hock. High suspensory syndrome is the injury just below the front knee on the backside of the leg, and it was the most common single condition. Inflammation of the ligament or fracture of the bone at the origin of the suspensory ligament is very common in endurance horses. Interestingly, horses at a novice level of activity were four times as likely to develop injuries of the suspensory ligament compared with horses at an elite level, and part of this may be due to the type of training. The odds of developing an orthopedic injury were increased by 162% in horses trained by amateurs versus those trained by professionals. Pain of the sole was common on horses trained for long periods on hard ground, and so training on soft ground is recommended, and training on hard ground and in competition can be less likely to cause injury by using shoes and soft silicone to pad the sole. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is petitioning to have a freshwater fish found here in Texas removed from the endangered species list. Jessica Domel tells why in today's Wildlife Report. A freshwater fish found in the slow-flowing section of the San Marcos River is now on a list of 23 species of animals that U.S. Fish and Wildlife says are extinct. The San Marcos gambusia was first listed as endangered back in 1980. The fish has only ever been found in a limited area of the river and has not been seen in the wild since 1983. Fish and Wildlife believes the gambusia has gone extinct due to habitat alteration due to groundwater depletion, reduced spring flows, bottom plowing, and reduced aquatic vegetation, as well as hybridization with other species of gambusia. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, 
The San Marcos gambusia looked similar to the mosquito fish. It had a prominent dark stripe along the upper edges of its dorsal fin. It reached up to an inch in length. Because it believes the San Marcos gambusia is now extinct, Fish and Wildlife is proposing to remove it and 22 other species from the Endangered Species Act. The ivory-billed woodpecker, Backman's warbler, and eight species of freshwater mussels are also on the list of species that Fish and Wildlife believes are extinct. Fish and Wildlife is now accepting information, data, and comments from the public on removing these species from the Endangered Species Act. The proposed rule was published in the Federal Register on September 29th. You can submit information on regulations.gov through November 29th. That is regulations.gov. Simply search U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. A link is also available on fws.gov. Again, that deadline to comment on regulations.gov is November 29th. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw a welcome bounce upward in the cattle markets to kick off the week on Monday, and cotton resumed its climb higher. We'll take a closer look at all of our livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Trains are everywhere. You should always expect one, even on private property. Only cross tracks at designated crossings that fit your equipment. If you don't fit, don't commit. Whatever you're operating, secure your load, raise your equipment, and avoid getting stuck or causing damage. Minimize distractions. Remember, noisy equipment drowns out the sound of a train. Unless you're crossing, always keep a safe distance from train tracks. Look. Listen. Live. For more info, go to oli.org. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. It was nice to see a bounce in the cattle market to kick off the week on Monday. We had nice triple-digit gains in both live and feeder cattle futures. Here's how we wrapped up the trading with October live cattle up 222, closing at 122.62, December up 285, 128.05, February live cattle up 237 to close at 132.40. October feeder cattle climbed 225 to finish at 155 even, November feeders up 212, 155.02, January up $1.70, 155.55. Cash-fed cattle market all quiet on Monday. No bids or asking prices to report. Looking at the show list, we're a bit mixed with lower show lists here in Texas and in Nebraska, but expecting a larger show list in Kansas this week. Boxed beef on Monday was mixed with choice down 251 at 289.85. Select was up 97, 265.81. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. I've got a Texas-sized glass of iced tea for you and a livestock market operator report with Klein Spear from Southwest Livestock Exchange Valley. They sell cattle on Thursday. Klein, talk to us about the sale. How many noses did you count? We had a good run today, Larry. We had 489 head. The market sure wanted to be a little softer on the plain cattle and the good cattle. We're off a hair more this week. They're all kind of trying to get prepared for the fall and everybody's filled up. So I think some good rains will bring some prices back. The packer cows are taking a couple of dollars off of them this week as well. The Overall, the number one choice steers, $1.25 to $1.45. 
the lightweights for $1.55 to $1.75. Number one choice heifers, $95 to $1.25. The lightweights for $1.30 to $1.55. Crossbred steers, call them $1.20 to $1.45. The lightweights, $1.45 to $1.65. And the crossbred heifers were $90 to $1.15 with the lightweights at $1.20 to $1.45. Stocker cows today, 75 to 95. Good bulls, 85 to 94. The better end of the Packard cows, 67 to 75. The cutters and canners were, call them probably around that 50 to 60 still. And the Shelly cows are 30 to 40. Some real thin cows, big down the 20s. Good cow-calf pairs, 11 to 1,200. Planers, 750 to 950. Had some really nice bred cows today, brought up to 1,400. So overall, still a pretty good market and uh Sure, hope everybody gets a good rain over this next couple days. We do too. Hope you all get one. Tell everybody how to contact you for the sales next week, Klein. Call us at the office, 830-278-5621, or my cell phone, 830-591-3241. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, Larry. And neighbor, thank you for coming down the lane and having a glass of iced tea with us on Walking the Pens, a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. I'm your host, Larry Marble. Good day. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now where lean hogs took a tumble on Monday. October hogs down $1.50, closing at $90.80. December hogs down $207.83.10. Class 3 milk was higher. October milk up 7, 18.20, 100 weight. November milk up 22, closing at 18.42. The cotton market closed higher. We did pull back on Friday after that big run up over a dollar last week. But the bulls took over, and we started this market heading back higher again on Monday. Concerns over the state of the U.S., Chinese, and Indian crop helping to support the market, and, of course, underlying strong worldwide demand is what's keeping our prices up in this dollar range right now. December cotton up 40 points, closing at 104.93. March up 115 points to close at 102.59. The corn market didn't see a whole lot of direction. We finished narrowly mixed. The nearby December down three quarters, 540 and three quarters. March corn was unchanged, 549 and three quarters. Same story in hard wheat. We were mixed with the nearby's lower deferreds higher. December Kansas City wheat down five and a quarter, 754 and a quarter. New crop July up one and three quarters at 751 and a quarter. July Chicago wheat up eight cents to close at 749 and a quarter. In the energy markets, November natural gas was up 26 cents to close at 588. November crude oil up a dollar seventy-five, seventy-seven sixty-three a barrel. The financial markets lower on Monday. The Dow down four hundred three at thirty-three thousand nine twenty-three. The Nasdaq down three fifty-six, fourteen thousand two ten. The S and P down sixty-seven at four thousand two eighty-nine. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.